Hello, Spartan Nation, or for those who are left after this weekend's game, welcome to the Red Cedar Rundown. I am Gary with my co-host Clark, and we are the self-proclaimed number one MSU football and basketball podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Alexa. You can check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Send us your questions and comments, and we'll read them on the show. But let's get right into the embarrassment that was this last Saturday against Northwestern. It was my first MSU football game I attended this year, and what a game it was to attend. Watching it live was probably a lot harder than it was to watch it on TV, although I'm sure based on my friend's feedback, it was probably just as hard. But by the fourth quarter, I legitimately wanted to pull my eyes out of my sockets watching this team. I've never played, I'll be honest, I've never played a down of college football or coached one for that matter, but I could tell you this. I could have called more imaginative plays than Dave Warner could have that game. We have the talent, I think. I think there's players that can make plays and at least make us competitive in these games, but as of right now, our coaching staff specifically on the offensive end don't seem to be giving us a chance to win. Something needs to change. Either, and it's hard because now we're in the midseason, you can't completely scrap the playbook and teach everyone who plays, but something has to change in regards to the consistency. And I know D'Antonio is probably, you know, I've said it from from the first episode, there's an identity of being Michigan State. You have to establish the run, but... Why don't we pass first to to then run the ball? There's ways to generate a running offense other than the jet sweep. And we need to start looking at those other things immediately if we want to save this season. Or at least be competitive, especially in the next two games, which are, are extremely crucial. Clark, what do you think needs to be done? You know, if you've been listening to the podcast... I've been calling for Dave Warner's head since day one. I've been calling for Dave Warner's head for years. I've never liked the guy. I don't know him personally, but as a coach, he just does not cut it. I think we talked about this, you know, over our last 30 games. We're, what, 16 and 14? So we're, like, right in the middle of the road in the Big Ten. It's not acceptable. The offense has been flat all season. He doesn't know what he's doing. He called a jet sweep in the red zone to the short side of the field. And, you know, luckily we got to see that firsthand right in the end zone that we were sitting in. It was one of the most astonishing play calls that I've ever seen in my life. It's right up there with the James Franklin play calling against Ohio State. Not good. Not good. Um, He's got to go. It's plain and simple. Um, And the problem is this. Mark D'Antonio... His loyalty needs to be set aside. I'm sick and tired of it. I don't care if they're friends. I don't care if they're, they were roomies in college or anything like that. I don't care how long they've known each other. Gary, if you were my offensive coordinator and I was the head coach and you weren't doing your job correctly over a significant period of time, this isn't just the first five games of this season. This dates back to years years and years back with Dave Warner. 
I'm tired of it. He needs to be fired. I would fire you if you weren't doing your job, and I'd expect you to do the same to me. And I think that the other coaches on the staff that do do their jobs, they deserve better. I think the players deserve better. And if you want to remain competitive in this this level of college football and continue to have the success that Michigan State's program has had, change needs to be made and you need to adapt. Because if I'm a recruit and I'm sitting back watching this coaching staff not know how to not know how to call plays on offense. I don't know about you. If I'm a top flight wide out, if I'm a top flight running back, I would want nothing to do with this offense. I'd be like, Dave Warner clearly doesn't have a clue. So I think it's plain and simple. He needs to go. It's I, I've been never been more disappointed with Coach D than I am right now. I, I really I really think he's part to blame for this as well because he allows Dave Warner to be on the coaching staff. So he's enabling this behavior with the terrible play calling. So I mean, you know where I stand. Yeah, and I think it has uh, some relation. I I like to think about it in kind of the way Tom Izzo is. You know, yeah. he'll never, he, you know, other teams run the zone, and I know every year they say, oh, Tom Izzo's going to start looking at the zone. But eventually you have to adapt to the time, and, and right now our offense is not cutting it. And a lot of it I know has to do with the offensive line, particularly the injuries that we're dealing with right now. And not having consistency as as you know but i don't know if i can watch another game as dave warner calling the play i'm with you man i feel the exact same way and as uh if you guys don't out there follow uh msu trump on twitter it's actually a hilarious account they like to call him dopey dave warner um one of the better nicknames couldn't be more true and i just there just doesn't seem to be any type of imagination and we have the players we just have to get the playmakers the ball, a.k.a. Felton Davis the ball. <laughs> yeah, guy's a stud. You saw what he did. He was our top rusher. Crazy. Um, but, you know, as I said, the injuries continue to to stack up. David Beadle out another month. A uh, month? Yep, one God. month. And we saw the likes of Blake Buter. Who? Blake Buter <laughs> walk on what? last game and redshirt for freshman Matt Carrick both getting their first uh, bits of playing time this last week. And now we have started five different offensive line combinations in the first five games. Not good. Not good. No. I mean, especially if you want to have any type of consistency consistency running the ball and protecting the quarterback, which we saw at the end of the Northwestern game, we couldn't stop them. Lorky was pretty much running for his life. We went backwards. We just kept going backwards. It was insane. Yeah, well, I can get in a little more to the of about the play calling, especially when we had the uh, I think it was second and one, and we what did we do a jet sweep or something cr- ridiculous? Throw the ball I, deep. Throw no, the ball get deep. Get the first down. First. Oh no, are you talking about the end of the game? Yeah, when we could no, it was third and one. Yeah, and it's like QB sneak. It's it was like a half a yard. No, but the thing is, on second and one, we didn't try to get the first down. We did something crazy. Stupid. And then on third and one, all we had to do was fall forward, and we didn't. And then yep. we tried it on – no, and even on fourth down, we tried to run the ball up the middle out of the power eye. It was astonishing. Absolutely astonishing. I I, I, ugh, I was pulling my hair out. Couldn't believe it. I think what we need to do is um, – you know, not f- we always want to run first, and I understand. I might have said doing the jet sweep is the only way we can maybe get any type of running play, but 
when we're not blocking on the edges, it doesn't even matter where it's still not going anywhere. So we need to be a pass first offense and then that will set up our rushing attack. That's the only way we're going to be able to do it. And I think another big thing that we've been lacking and, you know, I've, I've said good things about Ladarius Jefferson, but getting LJ Scott back would be huge for this team right now. It would definitely give us a, a bit of confidence, especially with the experience he has. Um, yeah, you gotta have him in there. I mean, clearly nobody else is the answer at this point. It's, it's extremely disappointing. Um, I'd like to see LJ back there. At least, you know, he's had his problems holding on to the ball, but I, I trust him more than anybody else back there with what he's shown in his career. And maybe that's the spark that they need. But uh, at the end of the day, I really don't think, I mean, I think having him back there is going to help, but I don't think it's going to make that big of a difference in the run game when you don't have an offensive line that can do anything close to blocking. It's, that is partially true. I, I guess I'm just, you know, I think that, just having him back there would be big for the team right now. And he's dressed the last two games. And I guess, you know, D'Antonio said it's been his decision not to play. So I don't know what's going on. I don't know how injured he is, if he can't make the cuts or or what it is. But, you know, we're going to need him back sooner than later if we want to have a chance, especially against Penn State this week. Absolutely need him on the field against Penn State. But like I was saying, I, we have the talent on this team. You know, we continue to underutilize uh felton davis plenty of times we saw at being at the game where he was pretty much wide open or he had single coverage on the outside when you see that you need to get him the ball why is the work he not checking into a different play call when he sees single coverage on felton davis i don't i I, every time lob it up he's gonna catch the football or he's gonna get interfered with which what happened when they did throw the ball yeah. to him in that game. It's, it's, it seems pretty simple, but, you know, I guess it's a lot more complicated than you and I would know. I don't know. I guess so. Just yeah. watching him be but, wide open and not throwing the ball, yeah, it doesn't make sense. And I would say more Felton Davis and absolutely no Matt Sokol moving forward. Oh, my forward. God. Matt Sokol. Cut your hands off. You have no use for them anymore. And I, he, I, I and he can't if, even. He can barely run. He was tripping over his feet. I question critical times. Yeah, I wish. I question if he can pick something up with those hands. This guy was falling all over the place, all over the place. And, and this is something I actually have noticed uh, I, last year. Maybe I. I think he might be a junior, so maybe the year before. But he has never. He's dropped so many passes. Just. And yeah. it's like for me to notice that someone drops that many passes, you have to drop a lot of passes. Eric Ebron comes to mind. Uh, Eric Ebron's he did all right this week. He's pretty good, isn't he, Gary? Yeah. I would not say that. He definitely had at least one drop that I saw. Called it. Two this, touchdowns. This week's game. Called it. Okay. Anyway, right now we are kind of being negative about this team, rightfully so in a lot of ways. But MSU fans, sometimes it's been a discussion that's come up. We've seemed to be a cynical bunch of fans in a lot of sense. Um, we're very harsh on our team. And maybe because it's all the pain and suffering we have endured over our tenure being a Michigan State football fan. Less less recently, maybe. But what do you think the reason for the, the immediate negativity from the Michigan State Spartan base. It was actually hilarious walking back from the game because I felt like I heard a lot of these discussions amongst <laughs> fans. I heard Matt Sulko come up. I heard Dave Warner come up. Those were like the two main things just eavesdropping on other conversations walking out of the stadium. Oh, yeah. It's always fun to hear the combos when you're walking back to the car. Uh, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, you know. Um, 
the years of suffering, like from birth to, you know, high school, it was just embarrassing, I guess, to be a Michigan State football fan. But, you know, there I was trotting it down into every home game as a season ticket holder like an idiot. But uh, then we got our payoff, you know, when Coach D came in and, you know, the run of success with that we've had has been, you know, unparalleled, you know, in, you know, recent history for Michigan State. And so I think we got a little bit spoiled, I think, as fans. And uh, I think we came we come to expect a certain level of, you know, you know, excellence, I guess you could say, or play from our football team. And right now it's just not cutting it. So do you think I think it's do you think that? It makes sense. Yeah. Do you think that, um, you know, the success we have had the last decade has been detrimental to the fan base because now our expectations are college football playoff? I think people need to check themselves and realize that, you know, yeah, I, 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 I there's some Michigan State fans that I talk to that, I mean, they're in every fan base. Let's not kid ourselves. Like there's, there's delusional assholes in every single fan base in America that are just, they give a bad rap for everybody. But, like, coming into this season, I talked to a lot of state fans, and a lot of them were talking Big Ten championship and all this, and I was like, I, I just think this team's at least one year away. I just didn't see it. I didn't well, see enough I mean, last after, year to be talking Big Ten title. Like, I mean, I guess from, uh, you know, maybe from their perspective, we were 10-3 and three last year. We won we a were, lot of close games. We were we one won, of the youngest teams in college football. You I, would expect, um, you know, yes, advancement on the offensive line. Like we predicted. We both, yeah, we, you and I predicted 10-2. and two. And it's it's crazy. I think this team has the talent, and like we talked about, I think they do have the talent to be a ten and two, nine and three football team. It's not they're not executing. They're not being put in the proper position by their coaches. The play calling is atrocious, embarrassing. I I mean, they're better than what they show, and there's no question about that. We've talked about it. We don't want to say injuries are an excuse, but. It's definitely been a crazy year for injuries, and we've taken hit in the most crucial areas, which have shown secondary with losing Josiah Scott and the offensive line, you know, and our running game have have suffered due to those injuries. But Mm -hmm. next man up, as we've been saying all year. So this team's rolling right into a buzzsaw uh, in their schedule uh, coming up this week against Penn State uh, in Happy Valley, which will not be an easy game. 330 kick. No. Um. You know, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, on offense, they're going to be tough to stop. And it will be very interesting to see how, you know, this is maybe the first, I would say, above average team we played this year. Yeah, Penn State is definitely above average. They're the first ranked team we've played this year. So, you know, there might be scary. Yeah, I might. I've said maybe last episode that maybe it will be beneficial for us to maybe be the underdog role. Maybe that will is what we need to get the guys motivated. That's how D'Antonio strives. But based on last week's performance, as I said, if nothing changes, it's going to be bad, especially in the secondary, which and you're going to be dealing with KJ Hamler and Trace McSorley. KJ Hamler's a real problem. That's a guy we wish we had on our roster. And the way we've been getting torched by the likes of Northwestern and. Utah State, even though Utah State looking pretty good right looking now, pretty solid right about now. But still, the deep pass, the deep ball, we cannot defend it. Um, 
did anybody on Northwestern impress you as an athlete like that we should have been we shouldn't been been able to cover like like they were a real matchup problem for a guy as athletic and tall as Justin Lane. Yeah, Justin Lane was out of place many times as well as our safety. He doesn't even turn his head. It's ridiculous. I, I it's yeah, that that seems to be a problem. Our guys not turning their head, especially on the on the deep ball. They're not get, getting turned around, and not, they don't even put their arms up. It's like it, I don't know what I'm looking at. It's it's wild. It's just absolutely wild. Yep, and then they have uh, Miles Sanders uh, as running back, who's averaging six point two yards a carry. He's got six touchdowns. So you know, we'll definitely put our number one rush defense to the test, but. Hell, after watching the last couple of games, why the hell would you even try to run on us? I would, I would throw the ball every play. I'd throw it deep every time. Every play. No huddle, throw it deep. Easiest recipe to beat this team throw on the ball defense. Deep, take the top off the defense. But let's see what happens uh, on that side. And then on defense, you know, we're <laughs> they're getting Shane Simmons back, who is one of their best defensive ends. He missed the first five, ga- five games with an undisclosed injury. He's active and going to be back. Great, wonderful. So our offensive line is definitely going to be tested. Our makeshift offensive line with um, walk-ons and and uh, all types of things. But for our offense, as I said before, it's it's simple to me. You got to utilize the players you have. Get the ball to Felton Davis and if LJ Scott's in, get him maybe short passes, something to get him going. A la maybe the Lions when they didn't have a running game, yes. they they did short underneath passes to the running back and that's what you have to do you not jet sweeps not and not the long developing screen passes that take like 10 seconds to develop that the linemen are not even near being in position with those those oh those drive me insane absolutely insane one guy i did like to point out from last week's game that i thought was impressive and it was like the first first time we've really been able to see him was cam chambers I thought he had a pretty good game against Northwestern. Yeah, he he was forced to... I'd like to see him get a little bit more playing time over a guy like... Uh, what was the little short kid? Uh, what's his name? Sowards. I'd like to see him get a little bit more PT than Sowards. He, you know, he offers a bigger threat than him. But next man up. Yeah. Time to... I, I didn't see much of uh, Daryl Stewart, though, last week. It was like he no, was out I, there occasionally. Was yeah, he just I don't a decoy, think he was 100% maybe? For maybe sure. just a decoy? Did okay. not look like he was 100%. We could really use him back. Yeah, did not look 100%. Okay. Um, so the line for this game is Michigan State plus 13.5. So Penn State looking to beat us by two touchdowns potentially based on the Vegas line. Um, Clark, what are your? I'll let you go first on this week. Uh, what's your uh, prediction for this game? If you recall, I'm pretty sure I said we were going to beat Penn State. Um, that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, I thought I was going to get a Michigan State victory pick from you, Clark. I was... No, that'll come next week. Um, Ooh, a little foreshadowing. Yep. Well, we'll see. We'll see about that. Changes. We'll see how that goes after this week. But anyways, <laughs> back to the task at hand here. Um I don't know what to think. I, if our defense can get some stops early in the game, I think it can help us build some confidence. I think we're going to be able to score. I don't know why I'm saying that so confidently. I feel like an idiot now. I I think it'll be closer than it should be in the first half, and I think then you're going to see Penn State's athleticism take over. You're going to see guy like guys like Hamler break a you know long touchdown. I don't think we're going to be able to stop Trace McSorley's arm. I certainly think he's going to torch our secondary. I'm going to go Penn State 38, 
Michigan State 21. Penn State covers 13 and a half. I don't know what I'm going to do with you, Clark. We got Maybe we need to start discussing our picks beforehand because I have a very similar pick uh, <laughs> for this week's game. Um, so I actually, it's I have it no, being nowhere close um, to the line. I think they're going to, I think we're going to have no shot. Um, I don't think we're going to be able to stop them through the air. This is probably the best quarterback we've played thus far. And we've been torched by worse so far worse far worse yeah if i were in if i were in vegas right now i'd definitely be taking uh penn state minus 13 and a half i'm gonna actually predict penn state 42 michigan state 17 um i just think being on the road and in a tough environment i think michigan state you know i won't be surprised if they somehow keep this close but i think that's just the michigan state fan in me pulling pulling at me because oh, yeah. talking <laughs> a little insane yeah, yeah. I, I do think, it all the time i, I think i, I do think it all i saw time. clark also weighing that in his head as well um but you know obviously we always hope they're they're going to win regardless of our pick but that is yeah i'm, I'm still gonna watch the football game yeah. so let's uh let's actually turn it to you know you said you picked penn state you picked michigan state to beat penn state in your early on predictions now you're changing them so have looking, to adapt. looking at the rest of the schedule, it's almost pretty clear to me the potential path. It could be actually worse. I would say right now our uh, ceiling is eight and four. Ceiling, absolutely. We got to be focused on making a bowl game right now. That's what we need to be focused on. Because you saw, remember the three and nine season, things went downhill fast. Now, uh, Brian Lewerke is not... TOC. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let's not even speak that name again. But if he doesn't have time to throw, it's going to be tough to win games. And if we can't run the ball, it's going to be tough to win games. If our secondary can't stop, it's going to be tough to w- can't win against good competition exactly. doing that. Yeah. So, I uh, right now if I were to repick Clark, do you, you know, looking at the schedule, who do you think are lock wins for this team at this point? Locks? Has any game this season been a lock? No, but let me give you some of the teams that I'll I might I'll give you a think. stone cold lock of the year. Get ready. November <laughs> 24th versus Rutgers. I will guarantee victory for Michigan State. Stone cold lock of the year. Wow, bold. Yep. So There's bold. my lock. So Gave it bold. to you. Take it. At Nebraska, lock. Last two games of the season. Give them to me. Locks. Hey, Nebraska could improve by then. They're terrible. If we lose to them, I'm shutting it down. Shutting it down big time. Okay. So I'll go through. A... Let me go through the games here for you. Okay. I'll give you my predictions for the remission earlier. At Penn State, loss. Versus Michigan. I'm not going to predict Michigan to beat us, so that's a win. Versus Purdue, win. At Maryland, loss. Versus Ohio State, big time, loss. At Nebraska, win. Versus Rutgers, win. So we're looking at 7-5. and five. I'm looking at 7-5 and five right and now. I, okay. And I actually... <laughs> as annoying as this is because me and clark never disagree on anything it seems but so original yeah so oh, original so, so good. original gary so good but i i see seven and five and i think that maybe we beat penn state or michigan somehow and then we're, we lose to one of the purdue maryland nebraska Rutgers yeah. for sure we're not losing to Rutgers. Stop that. Stop that now okay i won't include Rutgers. that's that's, that's reasonable i can possible. agree with you on that one at least but 
definitely we have to curb our expectations and I don't know. It's it's going to, like I said, if there's not a big change coming, then I don't know how many more games I can sit through uh, wow. and waste my Saturday and be depressed. Yeah, it's, it's a, it, you know, it takes a lot to drive out there every single Saturday and invest three to four hours of your day into watching garbage, garbage play calling over and over again. And I hear, you know, there are a lot of complaints, and I've complained about it, especially when we were good, and there's not enough... To, for this team to complain about it, but the student section, they need to change the way that is set up. They're embarrassed. They embarrassed themselves. They weren't even there this weekend. It was sad to see. Yeah. That was just sad to see. I don't understand why they still reserve the upper bowl for students reserve it only for the big games. All the other smaller games, give those tickets up to be sold. Sell them for 10 bucks a pop. Yeah. Fill the stadium. That was despicable. But I'm not expecting it to get any better. But, you know, next game's at Michigan, so we'll see what kind of turnout. It's usually obviously pretty good. We usually get pretty pumped up for that game. So, all right, moving on to the mailbag. We only have one mailbag question this week, and we've we kind of talked about it a uh, little bit. But it's from Tom S. in Columbus down in Buckeye territory. And he said, who the F thinks – running two consecutive plays on the short side of the field in the red zone is a good idea. I got an answer for you, Tom S. An idiot. Dopey Dave Warner. That's who thinks it's a good idea. Nobody else in their right mind thinks it's a good idea. I, I, I think I honestly yelled that when the play happened in real life when I was in the stands. I'm not going to drop an F-bomb, I guess, here. We're trying to keep it PG on this podcast. But I think I dropped that when I, like I, I was thirteen. Yeah, I, I was say. screaming when that happened. It, I, it was I. I don't really know what else to say. I'm at a loss for words at this point. I'm gonna let Gary take over. Yeah, I think we both looked at each other after that play, and I, I think um, the play that was like the best worst play that had ever happened was the Felton Davis double reverse sweep, where he scored the touchdown, and I, I told Clark that during the game that that was the worst thing that could happen even though we scored a touchdown because dave warner got justification for running these dumb plays made him feel good yeah and it skewed our stat line <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it like we actually yeah. had some rushing when we clearly <laughs> didn't but if we're gonna win felton davis is gonna have to be completely involved in the offense he's gonna have to be the focal point especially with cody white out he's got to be the one to take it and we need to change the play calling completely. What happened when we threw the ball to Felton Davis in the red zone? Oh, yeah, we threw a fade route to him. We got a touchdown. Back shoulder. Every time. I can't I can't disagree. But this week will be interesting. We will find out how we stack up. And like I said, maybe this is the motivation we need. Maybe we need to play a good opponent, opponent instead of playing teams that we maybe consider lesser than us but we're at this point we could be fighting for every single game even Rutgers uh yeah I I'm not even gonna acknowledge that <laughs> <laughs> all right so with that that's gonna do it for this week's show of the Red Cedar Rundown thank you all for listening listen to us next week we will be recapping the Penn State game and previewing the Michigan game which you can only imagine it will be very interesting here on Should the Red Cedar. Should be right a doozy. Now. So get ready for that. As I'll say again, subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Alexa. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So with that, 
as always, go green, go white. <laughs>